welcome to the podcast, Just Saying. My name is Joe McCormick, your host. Today we're going to talk about building a culture of brevity. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Really happy to have you here. And if you've been here before, welcome back. As you may know, I've written a book called Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less. And I've also written a book called Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. And many, many people are asking me about the culture, how to change the culture. And I want to talk about that today. How do you not just make this something that a team of people can do, but then an entire organization can do? And how can we set a standard? How can we create a culture where people value this? And I want to just refer you back to a couple of podcasts, as I often do, because these episodes link together often, and they're part of what it will make you a clear and concise, a more intentional communicator, really is the point. In episode number 48, called Curbing a Culture of Meetings, I really get at, and this was I recently paired this with, a, with another episode on meeting agenda design, is the, what really is it is wrong with many organizations and what causes a ton of noise is how poorly they run meetings and how important they are, but how poorly they're, they're run. And that I would like you to listen to that again if you haven't listened to that, episode number 48. And then episode number 65 is Sabotaging Your Organization from Within. And as you may recall, if you've listened to that one, if you haven't, it's fascinating where there was an uh, um there was guidance, a written report, or like a like a basically like a training manual, written by the OSS, which is the predecessor of the uh, of the CIA, during the Second World War that gave that outlined for civilians that were behind enemy lines what they would need to do to undermine or sabotage corporations or organizations as part of the resistance. And if you read this manual, it reads like a modern day kind of organizational manual about how to run too many meetings and ask people who aren't empowered to make decisions and delay everything for committee. And it's just, it's how to slow things down. And that that's that's worth listening to and, and looking that up online, this OSS manual. And there's a link to that uh, that document on the uh, on that episode, episode number 65. So what we're going to tackle today is how do you build this culture of brevity? How do you create this culture? What do you what do you do? Um, and, and really, you know, why would you do this? You know, who's going to be up to doing this? Really, to set a standard where people value the quality and the quantity of communication. You know, this is this is what makes great cultures, great organizations vibrant is the quality and the quantity of their communication. And I think in in many regards, people feel like there is no standard. Um, this is all over the place. There's no consistency. There's standards for everything. Yet when it comes to communication, it's the Wild West and do whatever you want. What, re- what good looks like is people talk with you and what bad looks like is they talk at you. Um, what good looks like is they respect your time. What bad looks like is they abuse your calendar. They take it over. What good looks like is they people are inclined to listen first. And what bad looks like is they talk first and, as I say, where I'm from, early and often. It's not a running joke in Chicago because of the, because of the political system. They're so corrupt. Vote early and often. And bad looks like they talk early and often. What good looks like is people are organized, prepared. And what bad looks like is they're all scattered. It's rambling. It's random. And 
it feels conversational versus it just feels pushy. Um, and there's been many podcasts that I've done that talks about this in pieces, but, but more specifically, how would you create a culture this way where people would, in fact, value not only the quality of the, edu- of the communication, but also the quantity is how much you have to consume in order to get it. So what I've done is there's a PDF. If you go to the brieflab.com in our resources section and you look at tools that you can download, you can download brief maps and there's infographics and there's copies of the podcast and episodes. There's a whole treasure trove of, of good tools for you to download. One of those is a PDF called Creating a Culture of Brevity. And I, I recommend you just go to the website, download it, and print it and start sharing it because what I would like you to do is to is to serve a role in leading this in your organization. Here's the thing. When it comes to culture like this, it will not do it naturally. Somebody needs to be the force to change it. This is what change management is about. So this construct was inspired. I was inspired to create this based on a, a close friend of mine who works at Granger, which is a big industrial distributor. And he is really a big proponent about how to how to change a culture. You know how to get people how to get organizations to change over time. And Granger's been a, comp- a company that's been around for a long time. They've changed successfully. They've evolved because they do certain things. And he and I, I called him one day and I said, "Hey, listen, if you wanted to create a culture this way," and a lot of people are asking me, like, "I want this in my organization. What do I do?" And this document really guides. And this has been a question that I've been getting more and more lately. You know are asking me all the time, you know, how do I set this? And that's why I created this little guidebook and notebook for those of you that have gone through our courses called The Standard, which is how do you set a standard, right, when they're, when one isn't set. And so he gave me some guiding principles f- from which I created this little one-page overview called Creating a Culture of Brevity, Guidelines to Getting Results from Concise Communication. And for this, for the, um, uh, forgive me for doing this, but I'm going to quote myself because it's on the page. Um, brevity is working for your organization when you see more effective and efficient exchanges with each other and your customers every day. And so here are the keys. I'm just kind of walk you, have you walk you through these. These um, first, first and foremost, there's there it has to be present some core beliefs about culture that we have, that I have when writing this that I share with my friend John. Um, first, the first belief is we can believe that it, that it can be measured. That culture can be measured. The second core belief is that we believe that it's everyone's responsibility. And the third core belief is that we believe that it either enables or inhibits strategy and execution. So it's tied to how the organization runs and how effective the organization is. So it's not just this nice thing out there, but in, in that it is a driver or an inhibitor. It helps or hinders the performance of the organization. So that's, that's, these are the core beliefs about culture. I'll say them again, just a quick summary. We can measure it. It's everybody, number two, it's everybody's responsibility. Number three, it either helps or hinders the performance of the organization. So those are core beliefs about culture because this can become something very theoretical and up in the, in the high sky and like, no, no, this is, this is we want to cr- change the culture, create a culture of brevity, of clear and concise communication. How would you now set about doing that? And there are basically five rules. The first rule is it starts with executive sponsorship. The second rule is it's developed by leaders who serve as teachers and practitioners. The third is it involves everyone. It involves everyone. 
Four, it grows by sharing stories and evidence of successes. And fifth, and finally, at some point, ownership of responsibility is transferred to the business leader. So let me go through each one of those five things just in a little bit more detail. These are how to, how to improve the culture, how to create this culture of brevity where people value the quality and the quantity of the communication. First is it starts with executive sponsorship. Somebody at a very high level in any organization needs to be leading this. It can't just be grassroots. It has to be made like this is something that we as an organization are getting behind. You need an executive sponsor. You need somebody who, quote unquote, is in charge to get behind this, right? Because if if it's it ultimately isn't dependent, as you'll, as you'll hear in a second, on those people ultimately to make it happen, but they need to they need to sponsor it, be behind it. We you need to sit down and have a conversation about the value of a culture of clear and concise communication for the organization. That has to be an explicit conversation with executive sponsorship. That's the first thing. It can't be implied. It has to be almost like a Magna Carta. Get them to sign it. Get behind it. Not as a theory, but as a practice. Because again, one of the core beliefs is that you can measure it. It's everyone's responsibility. So you're not just pinning it on them, though you're saying they're part of, they have an important role. And it's it certainly that executive sponsor sees that it is going to hinder or help the performance of the organization, which obviously they should care about, right? Achieving their mission and their goals. Okay, so that's the first thing. It starts with executive sponsorship. Have that conversation. Make it explicit. Number two, it's developed by leaders who serve as teachers and practitioners. I'm assuming that you're that person in the organization. Perhaps you're you're a person who leads. You're a person who sets example. You're a person who's changing behavior. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you weren't. Um, so it really starts to take shape when leaders like you and their teams start to live it. And this is something that you hear from us. This is not a theory. This is, I've seen what good looks like, and I've seen what bad looks like. And people complain about bad. Admiring the problem isn't going to fix it. You've set out to say, hey, I'm going to be a better communicator because I need to to be more intentional, to get things done, to I can't just sit in a meeting all day long. It's going to kill me. So the second thing is it's developed by leaders like you who serve as teachers and practitioners. You practice, lead by example. Number three, it involves everyone. That doesn't mean everybody has to take this, our courses, but we have a book, we have a podcast. You can have conversations with people. They can have conversations with each other about the impact of not having this culture, about leaving the status quo alone. I mean, if you go, you know, to the podcast Curbing a Culture of Meetings, people sort of, they settle. They're like, well, this is what it's going to be. No, no, no. Get people involved. Talk about it. You know, I'm not saying you're certified to teach at the Brief Lab, but you can share what you've learned. Why not? I mean, I want to change this stuff. I don't want to see people die by PowerPoint even though in a recent podcast I said it wasn't the fault. But, I mean, you understand what I'm saying. It, it, it involves get people involved, right? Number four, it grows by sharing stories and evidence of successes. When you win, share it. Hey, I designed a meeting agenda, recent podcast. I held the meeting. It was half as long. We got to a decision. Share a story. I gave my boss an update. It took two minutes. Normally it would have taken ten. Share the success, Right? I was afraid of communicating. I spoke up. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, there was an impact, but I needed to do it, and I did it. Find successes and share them. 
Okay. And finally, at some point, ownership of responsibility is transferred to the business leader. So when you have a culture, great cultures, they maintain the culture. They don't just or- organically get there and then they just fall apart. They're, assist- they're people that own it, ultimately, to maintain it. It becomes part of how you onboard people to the organization. What is there a published standard? Are these expectations published? Are they shared with people? Are they implied or we share? Like, and who is responsible for you know, that transfer, giving that, giving that to, to, to leadership within an organization where it's, it's part of their responsibility to do that? So that's, that's what it is. And that's, those are the steps. Again, starts with executive sponsorship. Number two, it's developed by leaders like you who are leading by example. Number three, it involves everyone. you got to get people involved. Number four, you got to share stories, successes, and then five, at some point, at some point, you're going to transfer that responsibility, that ultimate responsibility to sustain that, to maintain that over time to an organizational leader. So how do you measure this? Because we said one of the beliefs is that we measure it. Well, one way is you create a benchmark and you survey progress. Okay, we'll find out what it's like right now, you know, develop a survey, and then every quarter survey and see how you're shifting the culture. Is it getting better? Are the meetings getting shorter? Are the updating getting clearer? Are, is people's inbox thinning out? Find the, the hot points within the organization, set a benchmark, and then survey progress. And then as you're sh- you know, shifting, as you're moving the needle, share the successes. That's the first thing, okay? And then systematically, you know, I think doing these things, it starts demonstrating that the shift is underway, Okay. At the end of the day, like when you look at this, why would people want to create a culture of brevity? I mean, you have so much to gain. Clear thinking leads to clear communicating. Clear communicating leads to consistent action. No waste. That's what lean communication is, driving inefficiency out of this process, which is, by the way, wildly inefficient. Wildly inefficient. Add it up in your organization. Dozen people, 100 people, 1,000 people. Add it all up. I mean, you're talking about a lot of rework, a lot of rework, Okay. So to do this, to take on this task, means being intentional and demanding right? that we set and live a standard. It's great when we do it, and it's not okay. It's not okay when we don't. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs>